This week on the Indo Daily. I actually don't believe right that priests said her any harm. He just like thought I knew. But that's how I found out Miriam Martina was dead. How likely is it that Trump will be found guilty of paying hush money to former adult film star Stormy Daniels? We're talking about involvement in serious drugs activity on both sides of the border and as well as that, the procurement of weapons. Find and follow us at all the usual spots and over on the Irish Independent website. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by international best-selling author Heman Sunim, telling us what to do when things don't go your way. When we are, you know, very young and have a first love and the first love did not work out, we feel as though this is the end of the world. However, we learn that is not the case. We move on. We find some other people. We begin to see that uh, when things don't go your way, uh, maybe it's not the end. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing. Well, the big names are back. Andy Farrell has named his team to play Scotland in Murrayfield on Sunday. There are six changes overall to the team that started against Italy. Johnny Sexton and Gary Ringrose return. Tyg Furlong will make his first appearance of the Six Nations. Conor Murray starts at scrum half. Jimson Gibson-Park is on the bench, as is Robbie Henshaw, who are both set to feature for the first time in this Six Nations. Uh, so Rory O'Connor is here to go through the team selection. Rory, first of all, that is a hell of a team that Andy Farrell is able to name going into round four of the Six Nations. Yeah, you'd have to say it's the strongest um, 23 he's been able to name since the third test in New Zealand, Sinead. I think we, you know, the big hitters are largely back. He'd like to have Ty Byrne involved. I'm sure he'd like to have Finlay Bielham involved as well. But really, apart from that, it's a... It's a hell of a team. It's it's the world number one team, pretty much out in force. And he's a couple of serious players in reserve as well that he can bring on if this is a tight game, which we're all expecting it to be in, in Murrayfield at the weekend. So, you know, the return of Tyke Furlong, the return of Johnny Sexton, Gary Ringrose to that midfield just adds such security to what they're doing, you know, to rotate his back row to be Peter Omani back in. It's just this, this class across the pitch, this experience across the pitch, and they're really well set up for the game. I think the assumption was, though, that if Jemson Gibson Park was fish, that he would start. Um, of course, he pulled out of that opener against Wales on the morning of the game and he was due to start that one. And then Conor Murray was promoted and Conor Murray has done really well, especially considering the personal circumstances earlier in the Six Nations. But really, is this further indication of the rejuvenation of Conor Murray that he's starting and that it's Gibson Park that, that's on the bench? Well, I think it's it's form. It's partly, I'm sure, that Danny Farrell was looking at the way Gibson Park was moving and training. The fact he hadn't played for a couple of weeks, same as Robbie Henshaw, and he's decided that Conor Murray's got let you know got got he's got games under his belt. He's been a key part of this campaign to date. He has played very very well in the games that he's played, both starting and off the bench. He's hugely experienced. The forecast isn't great for the weekend. He can bring control to that number nine jersey as well. He, he's 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 played more than a hundred Test matches in all conditions. He's played away from home big games. And maybe he's also looking at the fact that this is two games in six days with the potential final against England in, in, in six days' time after the game. So maybe he's looking at bringing Gibson Park in to add energy and legs to that England game. Even if they lose, they're still going to be going for a title on that final final day. So there's maybe a bit of strategy involved there. But it's like Conor Murray's performances during this uh, this this tournament have silenced a lot of his doubters. They, you know, he has been uh, excellent. I think everyone admires the way he's played through what he's gone through with his dad being in hospital. Um, 
the way he played that day against France was just remarkable, really. And and I never doubted that he was an international caliber player. I would have wondered about him starting some games at times, and I would have, you know, I would have before this tournament understood why Andy Farrell goes with Jemison Gibson Park for the pace and tempo that he brings. But there's no doubting um, that Conor Murray is an outstanding international player and that Ireland are you know they're three deep they've really good scrum halves in fact they've scrum halves who can't even get anywhere near the squad who are of in my opinion international caliber but Murray you know what a luxury to have that you can you can have Casey and Gibson Park available but you can go with with a you know a test lion with that much experience and you know you wouldn't have any doubts about his ability to perform in on, on Sunday particularly if if the weather is poor you know he'll he'll be able to manage through that as well yeah, and his offload, obviously, as well. I mean, the second half of that try was amazing. And you could see how much it meant to him. You're just out of the Andy Farrell presser. What is the story with Stuart McCloskey? Is he injured or what reason did he give for him not being in the 23? He hasn't trained fully. If if he was needed, he could play. He's available, but he does have a niggling injury. And again, Farrell referenced that England game and the fact that they are, you know, they are facing into two games in six days that McCluskey could still play a role in that England game. I find that hard to believe, really, if Aki goes well or if Henshaw goes well off the bench. I do think there is a bit of a pecking order, an established pecking order, and those two are still ahead of McCluskey, who hasn't let Ireland down at all during this tournament or in November. But I think Rome probably gave Andy Farrell an excuse to play with his midfield. That that was the one area that probably malfunctioned. You know, Aki was the one who was exposed out of position, of course, but he reverts into 12. And look, you know, I don't have any doubts about his ability to deal with what Scotland can throw at him at 12. He's he's vastly experienced himself. He's on the cusp of 50 caps in the next next couple of months if he can stay in the team. And then you've got Robbie Henshaw, first game in a, in a good long while, but he's always been able to hit the ground running. And also an undoubtedly class player with... You know, so much to give to this Ireland team, and and again, if it's a tight game, you know, you can bring him on at twelve, you can bring him on at thirteen. If 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 Ringrose is showing ill effects of that calf injury, you can bring him on a fullback as a stretch. But he is another outstanding operator who Ireland can call upon. So I'm not too worried about. You know, I, I can understand where people might be miffed about McCluskey, but it does sound like he's got a knock. He didn't train in the Aviva when we watched that open session a week ago. He is fit, and if they needed him, they get him. But they've such resources there. I think they they know what they know about McCluskey, but they'll proceed with the players they have as long as they're fit. And of course, uh, Tiger Furlong obviously back as well and great timing with uh, Finlay Bealham ruled out. So we've got Dan Sheehan starting there as well ahead of Ronan Kelleher, Caelan Doris, thankfully back to his more effective position. And you mentioned it there. So besides Tiger Byrne, this is the same Irish pack that started the three wins in the in the series win over uh, New Zealand last summer. Yeah, and pretty much it starts the three tests, backs, I should say, know, not the three wins. Yeah, the three tests. Yeah, and it's the same collection of backs. Obviously, they've rotated Murray and and Aki in, but Aki and Murray were on the bench for the third test. So that you know, it's 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 very solid. It's very established, cohesive. All those words that you use when you talk about a team being strong, but it's also you know potentially devastatingly effective. You know, they play when they play together and they play well. They're the best team in the world, and that's they they have that in their back pocket, and they're going up against a very good Scottish team. But they're doing so with a, a, a an abundance of confidence, an abundance of knowledge, an abundance of cohesion. They know each other inside out because of those experiences they've had together. They've gone to the toughest place in the world and they've won test matches. They've, you know, they've had experiences of losing together as well. And that they, you would hope is all going to stand to them in the, the the white heat at Murrayfield on Sunday, where I'm expecting with a triple crown on the line for Scotland, Stuart Hogg's hundredth cap, big day, big atmosphere. Uh, you know that moment where the, the bagpipes stop and and the, they sing Flower of Scotland" themselves. There's a lot of motion in the ground. 
Ireland killed that emotion in Cardiff. And I think they're they're planning on doing the same thing here. And 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 that's what they need. They need to be able to be cold cold killers this weekend. And that's the that's the fascinating part about it. How much have they grown? How much are they ready to go to a, a must win game away from home and win it? Yeah, do you think they they are becoming more like that? I mean, you've been around the Ireland camp uh, there this this week. Remember back in 09, the words Grand Slam were dirty words not to be used in public. A very very different approach this time. So do you do you do you get the sense that they are much more with at ease with what's at, at stake on Sunday? Yeah, I think they're comfortable with their own position in the world. I think they're comfortable with their own strengths and what they can achieve. They're not not afraid to embrace being in the world's number one team. They've done a lot. Awful lot of, I've written a profile on Gary Keegan for tomorrow, tomorrow's newspaper, and it'll be up on Independent.ie as well. And I've spoken to Billy Walsh, Kenneth Egan, and Liam Sheedy about him. We've been asking questions around the camp, and I think you can't understate his influence on things, even the breath work that they do during games to stay calm in big moments. I mean, I was sitting near you, Sinead, in Cardiff, and and the the during the anthems when Ken Owens was crying on this on on the big screen, on Gatlin's first game and everything that went with it. I I I I just thought. This was we were in for some trouble here, and within two minutes, Ireland had scored and just taken all of the oxygen out of the stadium. They did that in New Zealand three times. I know it went astray during that first test after Sexton went off, but in the second and third test, they come out, they score first, they kill the game. Did it in Rome, obviously they let Italy back in, but they've got a real good knack for 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 um, embracing the fact that they are the better team and going out and starting like the better team, not feeling their way into games, but hitting the ground running right away and sucking whatever momentum a team has carried into a game, taking taking their legs away right away and forcing them to chase it. Now, we haven't really seen them have to chase the game themselves, and that's another challenge. Maybe Paris was the last example of that. So if, if Scotland get the upper hand early on, that's another challenge for them. But definitely mentally, they are in a, the best place they've ever been. And Farrell's no excuses mentality and the work they do with Keegan behind the scenes. I'm sure Paul O'Connell is a big figure in that. And also the leadership group themselves. There's an awful lot going into it. And I think it's 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 reaping a lot of reward. Yeah, well, uh, Scotland have also named their team, as expected, Johnny Gray in there alongside his brother in the absence of Grant uh, Gilchrist and Stuart Hogg will win his 100th cap for Scotland. Actually, only the fourth Scottish player to reach that milestone. Rory, you're sounding very, very confident there now. Are you predicting like a 20-point win for Ireland at the weekend? Is that the way you're going? No, no, I wouldn't go that far, but I am. I'm expecting an Ireland win. I think the fact that if the conditions are bad, it won't be a blowout, and it won't be. It's pretty unlikely to be a blowout anyway. These games, like Scotland, ran Ireland very close in Murrayfield two years ago. They tend to be closer in Murrayfield than they are in Dublin. They will have moments. They will have. They will score tries. But I, I think we we know enough about this Ireland team to back them to 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 come out of those moments to to use what we've talked about in terms of their mental fortitude to get them through games. Um, you know, I, if if they play poorly and Scotland play well, Scotland will win. If they both play well, if they both bring it, it's going to come down to who's able to stay calm in those big moments, who's able to deliver in those big moments. And while Scotland have had great moments within games, while they've had big wins, and that Twic- that game in Twickenham is, is a great example of what they can do when they get it right, particularly, you know, the two tries from Van der Merwe. There's a greater body of evidence that Ireland are better in those moments, that Ireland can win these games, and, and they've got their best cattle on the pitch as well. They've got their best players involved. Their bench has impact. They've got Ryan Baird coming in. He was he was outstanding in the last game, nearly man in a the match. They've got Jack Conan, who I still think is an outstanding rugby player, even though he's getting a bit of stick at the moment. He's still an excellent player to bring off the bench. Gibson Parkin up the tempo. Yeah. Keen Heaney's there with vast experience. There's so much to like about what Ireland bring to the table. Ronan Kelleher, um, Ross Burns, calm assurance off the bench. We've seen it over and over again. And Henshaw as well. It's a better, like Ireland have better players 
they're more they're further down the track than Scotland and they have such a massive prize to play for. I backed them all the way. I think they they are the better team and should win this game. It's not to say it'll be easy. It's not to say it could go horribly wrong if things go wrong. But they're, they're set up to succeed and I expect them to do so. Nice one, Rory. Well, you've just set it up uh, lovely there. Thank you for that. We're going to be back straight after uh, Rory, Keen Tracy and myself will be back with another podcast straight after the game on Sunday. And we'll see then if the Grand Slam is going to the final weekend when England come to Dublin. Thanks for listening. The Six Nations on the Left Wing Podcast. Rate, review and follow the show on Apple, Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. This is an Irish independent podcast.